Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, I'm Jamie Easton. This is the Smart 7, and all week we've been taking a look back at the biggest stories from 2022. Today, we're looking at November and December. The UN Climate Summit of COP27 kicked off in Egypt with a dramatic opening address from Antonio Guterres in November. The 2022 summit took place in the Red Sea resort of Sharm el-Sheikh and saw two weeks of negotiations between countries on climate action. The UN Secretary-General, who's famous for not mincing his words, began by giving a stark warning for the future of our planet. We are in the fight of our lives and we are losing. We are on a highway to climate hell with our foot still on the accelerator. His warning came as the UN told us the planet's already warmed 1.1 degrees since pre-industrial times and scientists say rises must be limited to 1.5 degrees to avoid the worst effects. But experts say we're on track for a rise as high as 2.8 degrees Celsius this century if we carry on with current policies. Rishi Sunak did eventually turn up and emphasise the importance of delivering on existing promises from Glasgow's COP26. We can turn our struggle against climate change into a global mission for new jobs and clean growth. Meanwhile, Boris Johnson was offered a fringe event taking a swipe at the Tory party for their stance on fracking after including his successor Liz Truss, who'd planned to lift the ban in England. The former Prime Minister attacked net zero naysayers. But there are people who've drawn the conclusion that the whole project of net zero needs to be delayed and, you know, for instance, we need to reopen coal-fired power stations and frack the hell out of the, the British countryside. So I believe here at Sharm is a moment when we really have to tackle this nonsense head on. Wednesday the 8th of November saw a long day of vote counting as America's midterm elections wrapped up. The final result was ultimately far closer than Republican-leaning polls had suggested, with no sign of the promised red wave as the Democrats fought an impressive battle across key states. Lawrence O'Donnell from MSNBC was positive about the outcome for the Democrats. Joe Biden is on the verge of being the most successful Democratic president in a midterm right. election that we have seen in quite some time. The former guy, Donald Trump, dismissed claims he was annoyed by the results, which saw several of his nominees, including Dr. Oz, lose. Bertie had a strategy all worked out to avoid any responsibility. Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit. And if they lose, I should not be blamed at all, OK? But it'll probably be just the opposite. Joe Biden addressed the nation late on the day of the elections and hailed a good day for democracy. He praised the efforts of Democrats while promising to work with Republicans to get America moving. I'm prepared to work with my Republican colleagues. The American people have made clear, I think, that they expect Republicans to be prepared to work with me as well. 
As COP27 continued in Egypt, world leaders gathered in Indonesia for the G20 summit. Before the main event got underway, the US and China held their own talks. It was Joe Biden's first face-to-face meeting with Xi Jinping since becoming president, and it seemed to go pretty well, with both sides keen to accentuate the positives and avoid any prospect of a new Cold War. Although the US president did acknowledge their frosty relationship. As the leaders of uh, our two nations, we share responsibility, in my view, to show that China and the United States can manage our differences and to find ways to work together on urgent global issues that require our mutual cooperation. It was Russia's invasion of Ukraine that was at the top of the G20 agenda. Notable by his absence was Russian President Vladimir Putin, who was represented by Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. Day one of the summit was addressed by Ukrainian President Zelensky, who called for the war to be stopped, but not frozen, asking instead for Russian withdrawal from Ukrainian territory. Ukraine should not be offered to conclude compromises with its conscience, sovereignty, territory and independence. And if Russia says it supposedly wants to end this war, let it prove it with actions. Apparently, one cannot trust Russia's word. Zelensky also tried to appeal to China's president, speaking of Russia's crazy threats of nuclear weapons and pointedly thanking the G19 for their support. As the meeting went on, Russia launched fresh cruise missile attacks on Ukraine's infrastructure and knocked out more power and water facilities. And Minister Lavrov sounded pretty unrepentant about it too. Yes, there is a war going on in Ukraine. A hybrid war that the West has unleashed. A war which the West has been preparing for, for years. Starting from the moment it supported the coming of government in a coup d'etat of clearly racist, neo-Nazi forces. Things took a sharp turn during the summit, however, after a rogue missile hit a Polish village, killing two people, with fears that the war in Ukraine could spill across the border. But global concerns eased as it emerged that it was a likely Ukrainian anti-aircraft missile that went astray. But NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg said that Moscow not Kiev was ultimately to blame. Our preliminary analysis suggests that the incident was likely caused by a Ukrainian air defense missile. But let me be clear, this is not Ukraine's fault. Meanwhile, Rishi Sunak said that the UK stands steadfastly behind its NATO ally Poland. The Prime Minister, who is still in Barlet, spoke at a press conference to pledge solidarity. There are teams on the ground uh, involving not just the Poles, but also the Ukrainians, Americans and others. I think all of us want to get to the bottom of what happened, and it's right that we let that process conclude. And Defence Secretary Ben Wallace explained why this happened in the first place. Uh, and the obvious point that you know missiles were flying around yesterday because Russia was firing over 80 uh, missiles into Ukraine, hitting civilian uh, locations. Uh, and, you know, that is because of Russia's direct aggression on that state. Protests continued to spread in China during November as citizens pushed back against Xi Jinping's zero-COVID policy. Hundreds of demonstrators and police clashed from Beijing to Shanghai in the most significant public display of defiance since Tiananmen Square. The wave of civil disobedience was unprecedented in mainland China in the past decade and is the biggest test for President Xi Jinping since he secured a historic third term in power. One BBC journalist got caught up in the commotion. He was tackled and arrested by Chinese police. Meanwhile, a protester outside the Chinese consulate in London said that the people need to stand up against their government's oppression. People in China are being oppressed. Every, every group of people are being oppressed. And we have been oppressed for years and decades. And we want to change that. Somebody needs to stand up. We need to stand up to stand against this authoritarian regime. 
And spokesperson for the Chinese Communist Party, Victor Gao, says that he thinks the government will listen. It is very rare for a massive uh, protest to take place in multiple cities in China. Therefore, I do believe that the Chinese government authorities will need to analyse the situation very carefully and do their best to heed the legitimate demands as expressed in many of these protests. Still to come on this special edition of the Smart 7, we watched the World Cup in Qatar and Richard Hammond surprised us all right after this. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Welcome back. In November, the 2022 World Cup finally kicked off in Qatar, with Ecuador beating the host country in the opening game. It was the first time the host country has lost the opening game of the tournament and was just the icing on the cake for Qatar in a difficult start to the World Cup. Intended to be a showcase for the Gulf state, the competition instead turned into the World Cup of Awkward as alcohol sales were banned and the human rights record of Qatar came into sharp focus. The BBC skipped the opening ceremony altogether and went straight to the first game, but not before former England and Arsenal player Alex Scott got the chance to give FIFA a piece of her mind. You are not gay. You will never understand travelling to a country where you are fearing for your life just because of your preference of who you choose to love. To keep saying, Gary, football is for everyone. That's what you keep feeding us with. We sit here and it's not. The next round revolved around the plans by seven European nations to wear one love armbands to express solidarity with LGBTQ plus rights. However, when FIFA threatened the captains of the teams, including England and Wales with yellow cards, if they wore the bands on the pitch, the teams scrapped the plan. It was a particularly embarrassing climb down when the Iranian team refused to sing their own national anthem in a show of support for the anti-government protests taking place in their home country. Roy Keane on ITV's panel felt that both Harry Kane and Gareth Bale should have stepped up and had the courage of their convictions. I think it was a big mistake. I think both players, particularly obviously we're talking about Wales and England here, should have stuck to their guns and done it. Whatever pressure from outside and from their own associations, have the belief, if that's what you believe, and go with it. And for everyone at home, the World Cup dream just wasn't to be, as England tasted defeat in the quarterfinals after a late penalty missed by Captain Harry Kane in the game against France. Former England international Alan Shearer was pretty impressed by the efforts of the team and had some sympathy for boss Gareth Southgate. They've tried as, as hard as they could, they've given everything. And when, when that happens, you can walk away with your head held high and the England players can do that and Gareth can do that. It was just one of those nights it wasn't going to happen. But the grand finale to the 2022 World Cup saw returning champions France take on Argentina in what turned out to be a thriller of a game. Argentina were leading 2-0 going into the final 10 minutes of regular time and looked set to be taking home the title but two goals in two minutes from Mbappe forced the game into extra time. It was then on to penalties after the French star scored a third time to cancel out Lionel Messi's extra time goal but the greatest of all time kept his call to lead Argentina to a 4-2 victory on penalties. ITV's commentary team got pretty emotional. Leo Messi joins the Immortals with his mixture of mesmerising mischief and magnificence. 
In early December, the power infrastructure in Ukraine was once again under attack, with four people killed in Kyiv as missile strikes continued. On Ukrainian Armed Forces Day, President Vladimir Zelensky met with soldiers on the front lines. I wish you good health. I wish you and your loved ones all the best. This is what you defend today and give to us. December also saw President Zelensky in the spirit of Ukraine named as Time Magazine's 2022 Person of the Year. The award goes to an event or person deemed to have had the most influence on global events over the past 12 months, and the magazine's editor says this year was a no-brainer amid the Russian war on Ukraine. Meanwhile, President Putin seemed to be escalating nuclear tensions once again. He spoke at Russia's annual Human Rights Council meeting, clarifying that there would be no further mobilisation of troops at the moment, and that while Russia had gone mad, he's still not ruling out the option of going nuclear. He also appeared to be enjoying himself at an awards ceremony in the Kremlin, clutching a champagne glass and apparently drunk Putin and vowed to continue the strikes. <coughs> There's a lot of talk right now about our strikes against the energy infrastructure of a neighbouring country. Yes, we are doing it, but who started it? Who struck the Crimean Bridge? Just before Christmas, Ukrainian President Zelensky made a surprise visit to Washington, his first overseas trip since the Russian invasion. He met with President Joe Biden, who said the US will stand side by side with the Ukraine for as long as it takes, and confirmed almost $2 billion more in military aid. That includes a Patriot missile battery, the most advanced ground-to-air missile system provided to Ukraine by the West so far. Zelensky expressed his gratitude to the American people as he sat alongside his US counterpart in the Oval Office. Thanks from our just ordinary people to your ordinary people, Americans. I really appreciate The speech didn't go down quite so well in Russia as you might expect, and the Russian Foreign Affairs spokesperson Maria Zakharova had quite a bit to say about Mr Zelensky. They probably acted on the principle that Zelensky is their son of a bitch, and accordingly, he is allowed anything. Furthermore, he is not just their son of a bitch, he is also their instrument in opposing our country. Richard Hammond, affectionately known as the hamster to his Top Gear, now Grand Tour colleagues, is without doubt the short king of car shows. But things very nearly ended extremely badly back in 2006 when he had a horrific crash at about 300 miles an hour in a vampire dragster which saw him in a coma for two weeks and fighting for his life. In a new video published in November, he told the story of his extremely realistic dream experience in that coma and how close he came to heading over that hill. And as I got closer and closer to the tree, that sense of, ooh, I really am in trouble, grew and grew until eventually in my dream, I turned back. Mindy told me her side of the story because at the same time, things aren't looking good. And apparently she roared and screamed and swore at me, don't you dare die. And that's when I turned back from this tree in my dream. And that's when I woke. This has been The Smart 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am. Have a great day. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.